Um, it's good to be here with you. Let's go to God in prayer before we uh, open up our time together. Our God and our Father, we're grateful to you for the day that we've been given, for the time that we have to share, for the camaraderie that we have in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful for uh, the privilege that we have to, uh, to gather with freedom, without fear, that we live in a place that gives us the ability to, to choose this path. We recognize that there are many around the world who don't have that same freedom. They face opposition, they face persecution, and many of them even face death simply for gathering in your name. We pray for their comfort and their security and their safety as they serve you. And though our persecution and our times of trial may not look the same as theirs, we do realize that Satan works against us even in the culture we are in. And I pray for a boldness for your people, for a courage in your people, that we would be willing to follow where your spirit leads us from this place and proclaim the good news of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in this world in which we live. May we be emboldened and empowered to be your ambassadors. May we not shy away from the things that lie before us simply because they are difficult or hard or uncomfortable. But may we have the wisdom to discern your voice and where it leads. For the next moments as we open your word, I pray that your spirit would be present among us in powerful and transformative ways. That you would mold us and shape us, convict us, encourage us, empower us to be that people that you've called us to be. Followers of the Good Shepherd. We're so grateful for a Savior who gave his life for us and the unity we have in his blood. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We'll, we'll wrap up this little lesson on uh, the 23rd Psalm uh, today as we look at the Good Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, though that phrase uh, kind of comes to us in different ways. It hits us differently, it strikes us differently, it encourages us differently, it convicts us differently depending on the things that are going on in our lives. See, when we're sitting around a living room and listening to our children say those words, it, it brings one measure of comfort. When I'm sitting in my grandmother's living room listening to her read those words to me or recite those words to me, it brings a much different sense of security. When we are standing at the graveside of a loved one that has passed on and we hear those words read, it completely changes the way we see the shepherd and his provision because our experiences are shaped, or our understanding of these words is shaped by those experiences that we are in. So many different ways this simple psalm is one of the most frequently quoted passages of Scripture. Most easily recognizable, even to those who aren't familiar with the Bible. There's a few things they know. They know you should not judge. They know John 3.16, because somebody's always holding up a sign, John 3.16, in some end zone somewhere. They know the 23rd Psalm, and they, almost, they can almost say the Lord's Prayer. And so the words are familiar, the, the phrases are familiar. But every time they come... They come in different ways, in different fashions. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a beautiful prayer of protection and provision. And one of the things that we have to really kind of rest in this psalm is an understanding that sometimes the good shepherd must lead his sheep through the valley. Right? There are moments where we just don't have any other option. Um, there's a lot of times where I've kind of come to this phrase in this psalm and I've imagined a sheep wandering off, wandering down into the valley and the shepherd having to go and retrieve him. Or maybe even a sheep that's off in exile somewhere, but that's okay, the Lord is with you. I imagine myself in the darkest valley wondering where in the world is God. But I know because the 23rd Psalm tells me that even when I am in the valley of death, the shepherd is with me. And so I have this image of one who has kind of wandered off away from the flock seeking where the shepherd is. But that's not the image that we get. I will fear no evil in the valley of the shadow of death because the shepherd is with me. In fact, it's not that he's just simply with me. It's that he has led me there. And so we wonder why in the world would a good shepherd lead his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death? That doesn't seem like a place for sheep to be. That doesn't seem like a place where any shepherd would lead sheep that he cares about. Not very many good things happen in a valley. Not when you are out. You're exposed to the weather. You are um, prone to being preyed upon by your predators. The valleys of the Negev were prone to, to quick flash floods when storms would arise. Water and sheep don't mix. But the shepherd is with his sheep. He says, He leads me. Along the paths of righteousness, along the right paths for his name's sake, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the path of righteousness often leads through some dark valleys. You know, I've been in some places at times and had to drive in some areas I didn't want to drive into, some roads I didn't want to drive down because there's just no other way to get there. You know, we've been there in uh, Honduras. One year they had decided to completely tear up every street in town. You know, here, when we do, con I don't go many, very many places where I appreciate construction in the States, okay? Especially not road construction. But we found ourselves in Trujillo one time, and they decided to replace all of the septic system in the city at one time. Which meant every road in town had about a six-foot trench cut down the middle of it. Which you had to cross if you wanted to turn any direction. 
It wasn't very wide, but I'm going to tell you, when you're in a little cracker box, cracker jack box van that isn't yours, it's a rental, and you're trying to drive it through these streets that you're unfamiliar with, I can't tell you how many times I got stuck and had to be pulled out of one of those little crevices by some locals who knew exactly how to navigate those little ditches. And there was one road that led down to Eduardo Castillo that was just not very passable, and so we had to take the back road. And if, you thought, if I thought this first road wasn't passable, the second road definitely wasn't passable. Our van was about eight feet wide, and the road was about seven and three-quarters feet wide. And the side went down into the Black River. Um, not very comfortable. But it was the only way to get where we needed to go, where we had to go, because all the other roads were passed. Sometimes the shepherd has to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death in order to get to the high ground that's on the other side. But he says, you don't have to fear. As long as you are being led by the good shepherd, you don't fear the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, because not only are you with me, you lead me through that valley. And I know I can rest assured that though predators, floods, storms, and all other kinds of evils await on either side of the valley of the shadow of death, I have no fear of any of them. Because if the shepherd has led me in this direction, I know that it is one of the right paths that leads to the higher ground, to the sunshine, or to green pastures. And it is frequently in the valley where we find ourselves drawn near. To the shepherd. Valleys have a way of doing that to us, don't it? Doesn't it? Don't they? Yeah, I'll figure it out here in just a minute. Don't they? They have a way of bringing us near to the thing that holds us and makes us secure. Heather used to take sometimes four or five young children to the grocery store. Sometimes we don't know where dangers exist as children, as sheep. There was one rule for the children when you went to the grocery store with Heather. Like, you can walk, you can sit, you can ride. I don't care. But the only rule is one hand on the cart at all times. You can look, you can peruse, you can turn around and talk, you can do anything as long as that hand doesn't leave the cart. Parking lot, down the aisle, I don't care. One hand on the cart. You see, kids don't realize the danger that happens when they wander off or the things that lurk around corners or cars that don't recognize young children coming when their heads don't sit up above eyesight. But we as parents, as caretakers, as caregivers understand those dangers when children don't. And so sometimes we are held near by those who are called to take care of us. But there are other times where we realize how very real the danger is. And when we realize the impending danger, we immediately begin to seek cover in the one thing that can provide us security. And sometimes maybe we have grown so accustomed to life in the green pastures that we need life in the valley to remind us where our security lies. Our security doesn't lie in the shade of a tree or in the plush comforts of lush grass. Our security lies and the Good Shepherd. And so sometimes it is the valley that draws us near to the place where we need to remain near. Because it is the Good Shepherd that continues to supply everything that is good for me. Everything that is good for me comes from the Good Shepherd. 
I read these words, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And I don't know what comes to your mind, but when I think of green pastures, you know, I have, I have seen some lawns that I would consider green pastures. My lawn, not necessarily one of those. It is green, but pasture, I'm not sure. There's a lot of weeds in my little pasture out back. But I've driven by some of your lawns, and I've seen some of you have what I would consider green pastures in your yards. I've driven by, by feet. Tell me what's green and lush about this. You've got to look closely. Because the nourishment is there. It just has to be found. For, for nine months out of the year, this is what this, the psalmist reads and imagines the shepherd seeking green pastures. See, the green pastures that our shepherd leads us to don't often look the way we imagine them to look. Um, I would accept this. I imagine something far more lush if my good shepherd's going to lead me and make me lie down in a green meadow. But when I realize that this is the alternative, I'll take this. I think I know what's good for me. I think I know what it is that I desire. I think I know what it is that I need. But the good shepherd gives me every good thing. Everything that is good for me is supplied by the shepherd. And even when I find myself in, in places that seem to be barren, he will find those spaces where I can be nourished, where I can be fed, and where I can be filled. And the good shepherd continues to move us from board to restored. We find ourselves living with this contentment to live in ho-hum Christianity. Like we're just kind of going about life and, and yeah, we recognize that God is good and, and we serve the good shepherd, but you know, just Christianity is just kind of one of the little things that are about us and we just kind of move along. We don't realize the power that lies within us. We don't realize what it means to be a people who have been restored to relationship with the creator of heavens and the earth. Because if we did understand what it means to be restored, we would live with a new perspective, with a new motivation, with a greater desire to be the people that we have called us to be. He says, you have prepared a table before me. And if that's not good enough, he says, you've done it in the presence of my enemies. In the middle of all this chaos, you've set a table for me. We have those moments of, of silence and solitude. That even when the chaos is present, even when the enemy is present, even when things aren't right, the shepherd's prepared a feast for you because you are his and you are desired. Shannon, come on and work your way up here. I met Shannon a few weeks ago. We've been talking over the last uh, you know, few weeks about his life in the past, about things that he's done. And the life that, he've, that he's led. And decisions that he's made. And as we were talking last week, and he, you know, he'd been asking about 
being baptized. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I said, have you been baptized before? And he said, yeah, several times. And I said, okay. I said, well, if we're going to do it this time, we want to make sure that your mind is in the right place, your spirit's in the right place. And he talked about, you know, some of the mistakes that he had made in his past and some of the, the moments where he had chosen to be baptized. Sometimes it wasn't even his choice. A couple times he wasn't even aware of what was going on because he was the under influence of drugs or alcohol or other things. He's been sober for uh, two months now. Two months. Sixteenth yeah. to be two months. Sixteenth to be two months. <laughs> and so with a new surprise sobriety comes a new look on life. Um, and Shannon, in a moment, we're going to baptize you for the forgiveness of your sins. And to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things, you know, part of the sobriety is kind of making amends, right? Yes. Confessing sins. Um, I don't, we, don't, we don't have to go into details about all the things that have transpired in, in Shannon's past. But one of the things he did want to do is he wanted to make it known before man and before God. He wanted to confess Jesus Christ as his Lord. Yes. Um, he's made his life right physically. Yes. He's in the process of making his life right mentally. And we're going to make it right spiritually. Yes. And one of the things we'll know from this point forward is that in, right th in the right mind, the right emotional state, and the right spiritual state, you can always look back to this day as the day that you began anew. A new creation in Jesus. Amen. <laughs> a new walk with Jesus. Amen. And you're not going to be perfect from here forward. No. You're going to make mistakes. We all do. But First John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus covers all of our sins. And having been made new in Jesus, you just come back to that moment and repent of those, of those failings, of those times where we've fallen short, and we realize that the blood of Jesus continues to cover our sins. Amen. So Adam's going to lead us in a song here in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to ask you a couple questions before we go prepare for this moment, okay? And the first one is this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes, I do. And are you willing to make him once and for all the Lord of your life? Yes, I am. Yes, Best sir. news I've heard today and in a long time, brother. Yes. Let's go get ready. You can go right back in there and get started. And guys, for those of you, maybe there's someone else that needs to make that decision as well. Maybe the church can be in prayer for you or there's something else that we can be of assistance to you today. If you're looking, watching us online, you can send an email, you can send a text message, you can fill it out on the attendance card. We're here for you. We are better together, and you are not alone. 